0: Hello, you are listening to the All Girls School podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Barrett, a graduate from an all women's college in Virginia. This podcast aims to highlight the diverse experiences and life journeys of graduates from all women's colleges. Listeners can expect to hear candid conversations about a wide variety of topics. This podcast strives to be in an inclusive space, so some guests may identify themselves as non-binary or trans. I hope you're ready because class is about to start. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All-Girls School podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Barrett. I use she, her pronouns, um, and in this podcast each week, I interview a guest who has attended and or graduated from an all-women's college. This week, I'm really excited. I have someone who I actually just recently met for the first time um, because she graduated before my time at Mary Baldwin. I have Janair Jackson with me. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, I'm glad to be a part of this. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um so we actually just finished running the Army 10-miler. Um yeah, we're a little tired but excited <laughs> to do this interview. And I know listeners, for those of you who have been listening to all the episodes, you're probably wondering how the heck did Janair get here? Um And how did like me, someone who didn't even cross paths with her based on the timeline that we were in college, you know, connect? Well, you're going to find that answer out later. So make sure you stay tuned. Um, So first, kind of like what I always like to do, um, since this does mainly talk about going to a women's college, I kind of like to go backwards in time first. So make you step into like before you got to college, what were, if you could explain like your background, um, where did you grow up and maybe what were some of your passions and career interests when you were in high school before you went to college? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so where I grew
1: up, I like to call myself an, an army brat. Um, I, my dad was in the military um, and retired from the military. So we moved and all over, been all over. But where we settled after my dad kind of decided he was ready to retire was in Griffin, Georgia. Um, that is actually where my mom, born and raised, been there for since the 2000s is when we moved back there. So been there since that is actually where I predominantly call home. Um, so moved back there, started eighth grade there. And then what kind of got me into my passions I can speak to today that kind of you know go with what led me to Mary Baldwin College Um, is I've always loved to be in leadership positions. I love doing things of that nature. It was always very challenging. I love just working with people. So when I went to high school, um, I decided to get into the junior ROTC program and at Griffin High School is where I went. And then I did it the first year, obviously, as a freshman, Mm -hmm. just to see what that experience was like, to see if I would like it and fell completely in love with it. So from there, I took it upon myself to try to get in every leadership position that I could in ROTC. But one of the coolest things I did in ROTC that I actually have not shared with a lot of people was I was a part of our drill team that was there in ROTC. So if a lot of folks don't know what the drill team is for an ROTC, Mm -hmm. we twirl rifles. Um, And at Griffin High School, are actually our all women's um, female uh, rifle team. We were every year dominated. We were the national champions. And so I got to experience that all four years there. Um, That was a a great time. And um, but the one thing I did also do my senior year that was such rewarding was I was the battalion commander for our our RTC department. Um, So that was very fun, very rewarding. Got to just lead people, a whole entire battalion, which was so exciting. And I just fell in love with just being in
0: leadership in general. So it's kind of one of my biggest passions. It's very cool. Um, I feel like uh, I didn't know um, much about JRTC because I didn't do it. So yeah. can you explain a little bit about JRTC? Because I know of quite a few of the people I've interviewed have been in JRTC. So yeah. some people, some listeners might not be as familiar with it because I didn't do JRTC. Right, in right, high right. School.
1: So um, joining JRTC, essentially how Griffin High School kind of ran their program is at least the first year, all freshmen had to take ROTC just to see if they, it was something that they wanted to do. But essentially when you went in your first year class focused on basically learning about leadership Mm -hmm. and what that means, Um, more so on the side of being a follower more than anything Mm -hmm. with leadership. Um, So it was a lot of classes like that. Then you did go outside because it was army based. So we did learn how to do a lot of the drill and ceremony type things that you see Army personnel do with marching around and things of that nature as a company. Because when each um, class came to class um, every period, it was a company size element. Mm-hmm. So with that, your sophomore year, you took on a leadership role of being a squad leader. And so you really learned, you know, what it was to lead your squad mm-hmm. and what it was really coming into the foundation of becoming a leader your sophomore year. Um, and then your junior year, you actually became the first sergeant of a company, and some of the juniors didn't. They may have just stayed mm-hmm. within the regular, you know, companies, um, but you became a first sergeant most of the time, so you led one of the companies during that period, and then when you um, came to your senior year, you were on the staff, either or the battalion commander the battalion XO, but either staff officers and Everyone there, senior year, was all staff officers. Everybody had a, had a role within the staff. Um, but uh, one of the cool things too is that the entire staff and the entire leadership within the battalion, because you since you were a battalion size element, we planned military balls. We planned like the day that all of the freshmen would come in over a Saturday and get sized and get their uniforms get issued to them. Um, But one of the big things that culminated for each year is we had a huge inspection that would happen where cadet command, which our cadet command was based out of Savannah, Georgia, Mm -hmm. they would come and inspect your battalion and you had to actually prepare for it. You had to march in front of them. You had to do an actual inspection where they would come and inspect your uniform. And then the ceremony ended with the entire battalion marching onto the field along with the staff, and you had to do a big, it's almost like in V-Will when we mm-hmm. had to do the parades. Yeah. So we had to march just like that, form up, follow commands, and we had to do a pass and review. Oh. Um, then after that, the cadet command leadership would basically tell you if your corps or, battal- or battalion, excuse me, passed their inspection uh, for the year. So Griffin High School always passed. is something mm-hmm. that we were very prideful of. So we did do very well but um that's kind of what it is like to be at least in army ROTC mm-hmm. is how we ran things so it was a very cool and very rewarding
0: mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, that's very cool. Um I was going to ask it's, how big was your program because it sounds pretty big mm-hmm. and the fact that you were saying like freshmen had to Yeah, all freshmen had to take yeah. it. That's so So I we
1: had at least between like 3 to 400 people that made up the battalion oh yeah and then you you would drop size after a while Mm -hmm. because of various things like i mean they still would get kicked out if they Mm -hmm. were you know just too much of a problem or a challenge to handle within the program Mm -hmm. or just natural you know um attrition of students not coming back to school moving Mm -hmm. whatever you know it may be
0: but yeah Yeah. it was
1: pretty decent size yeah that's oh yeah
0: yeah that sounds like a pretty (laughs) big program and your high school probably was a Decent size. We had I would a decent size too. high school. Yeah. We
1: did. Yep. 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 They actually ended up having. Um, I want to say it was the start, actually, of my freshman year, or it may have been the year before that, but it was a recent uh, point. Being is they actually had to open up another high school within Griffin, yeah. uh, Spalding County, is what it's called mm-hmm. now, just because of the sheer size um, of the of the population growth in Griffin mm-hmm. during that
0: time. So. So how big of an impact did JRTC have on your college search and what was your college right. search like? You know, so the, the funny thing behind college. So I
1: had it in my mind. I, I, I chose college last minute because I had it in my mind that I was not going to college. OK. Um, I told my dad, like, I, I'm, I actually wanted to go and do like a trade school. Um, And I was like, I can go to a trade school and learn how to be like a plumber. I can learn how to be a welder, you know, or something that seems more like that seemed more interesting to me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, my dad shot that down. He's like, No, (laughs) you're you're going to a real college, is what he um, would say to me. So my junior year, um, I actually had to start thinking about, and this was towards the end of my junior year. I had to start thinking about and figuring out where I wanted to go to school. Um, but one of the things I didn't know is if I go to college, I don't want to go, I did not want to go to school in Georgia. I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. So that's kind of like where I live all the time is mm-hmm. out of my comfort zone. Um, so I started searching to figure out what schools I wanted to go to. I knew I didn't want to go to a big university because mm-hmm. I want to be able to have that one on one relationship with the professors. I want the professors to know my name um and me know theirs, basically. Um and so I started looking at smaller schools. And then one day towards the end of the year, we had a college fair. So all of the juniors and the seniors had their direct times to go walk around the college fair during school. So I went and walked around the college mm-hmm. fair and I stopped at Mary Baldwin.
0: Oh, they we have- had a
1: table. They had a table okay. at Mary Baldwin in small old Griffin, Georgia. So I was like, okay, well, I will hear about the school. And what actually stopped me to talk to the lady that was there, is she had a pamphlet on the table that had a picture of one of the cadets from VWill, will And I was put my hand right on the pamphlet. And I said, what is this? And she was like, I talk to you about it. So she spoke to me about it. And I took a pamphlet, talked to her more about it. And I signed up with her to come for an orientation day on that same day. And so Literally the very next weekend, mm-hmm. um, we left on a Friday, actually. We were in the car. It was, my, it was me, my dad, and my younger cousin. And we were heading to Stanton, Virginia to go visit Mary Bowen college. Uh, and my dad, the entire time, was like, are you sure this is <laughs> what you want to do? Like, you want to go eight plus hours away from Georgia to go to school in Virginia? I'm like, yeah, what's the big deal? It's fine. You're only eight hours away. <laughs> um, so we get there. And I fell in love with the campus um, completely, saw where we were going to live for our freshman year. I liked how small it was um, just completely. I felt very welcomed by the faculty mm-hmm. that were there. And um, eventually my tour ended with going to sit down with Dr. Brenda Bryant. Um, so I sat and talked with her. And then I talked with the first captain at the time and the Corps because I came during the time where it was almost time um, for some of the leadership to come back to start training to receive mm-hmm. the incoming Knowles. Uh, so I talked to the first captain at the time and kind of completely sold me on the program. And I went ahead and confirmed and said, I accept coming to married Baldwin. So then we follow the process you need to follow that you should have started from the beginning of applying <laughs> to the school. Yeah. I applied super
0: late,
1: (laughs) like super, super late to the program. Um, So that's what kind of got me to Mary Baldwin. It was a last minute decision. But when I like I said, when I went there, I knew that's where I wanted to be and wanted to go.
0: That's very cool. It's actually kind of similar. I was talking to Sarah McFarlane and she also was like a very last Mm -hmm. minute Mm -hmm. um, decision to go to Mary Baldwin. So that's very cool to see like the last minute decision. But I also think it's cool that you pointed out you were interested in trade school because I definitely think um, there's kind of a trend now like mm-hmm. of seeing trade school as like, that is like a viable option that, right. you know, was kind of told to like our generation, like, no, you don't want to do trade school. You right. want to go to college. but. Right. I definitely think trade school is also a viable option so as well. So I think that's cool that you were interested mm-hmm. in a trade school because, you know, during that time period, kind of like, you, you know, you said your dad was like, no, I want oh, yeah. you to go to a yep. real college. So, yep, yep, but yep. yeah, I, no, I, I think that's really cool. Um, and and I'm glad that we're coming back. We're circling back around to that and um, we're advocating like both routes, which I think Absolutely. is really cool. Absolutely. It's one of the things that even today when
1: young kids or just adults in general can't figure out like mm-hmm. what they want to do, I like advocate for a trade school completely because you essentially can walk into a trade school having zero experience on a craft and get training, get paid to learn how to do this particular trade and then walk out the door learning an an amazing craft but also making a pretty decent, decent living at the same time too yeah. so
0: oh yeah. yeah that's very cool um okay so once you got to mary baldwin since it was a last minute decision what did you decide to study what did you end up majoring in
1: yeah so well so first <laughs> um, thinking i'm thinking i'm a huge brainiac i can do this i decided i was going to try biology mm-hmm. so i went and tried biology Granted, this is, I'm a person that has always either had straight A's and maybe a B. Yeah. So I go do biology. I did well in biology in high school, so I should do well in biology in college. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh oh. <laughs> I went to intro biology and I struggled through that class. My calic actually, uh, tried to tutor me with biology because she was a biology major. Mm. And I looked at her and I was like, Andrea, this is not for me. I thought I wanted to do biology. <laughs> I thought I had aspirations of wanting to go into the medical field, but this is not for me. So I changed. Then the very next year, what I decided to do is I always, like I said in the beginning, I, I like People. I love being around people. I love talking to people. But most importantly, I love helping people out when they are just dealing with very challenging things. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do psychology. That's okay, I did. Cool. So I took up psychology, studied that um, in college and uh, completely enjoyed it. Had some amazing professors that I know are not there anymore mm-hmm. today, like Dr. Kibler, Dr. Anastasiou, um, such amazing professors who completely loved um, teaching us and just loved the field of psychology entirely. So it was a, it was a great, great, great
0: experience. Awesome. So, uh, what ROTC program did you end up joining? Because for those listening, if you're in the VMI program, at least for, I think your first two years, you have to take some sort right. of ROTC through VMI, which, uh, the options are Army, Navy, uh, in Air Force and then through the Navy program, I think you can also do Marine Corps RTC. Yep.
1: Yep. So I chose Army. Yeah. Like, why not? Um, But I went, I went the Army route um, through VMI and did that the first year and knew for a fact that I was going to do that for my next, you know, three years while there. Uh, But what I will say with that too, is I was still on the fence of wanting to commission into Mm -hmm. the military because I knew that after your second year, if you didn't want to commission, you could essentially mm-hmm. um not have it declare any declare to take it. But so I went the army route and then um towards the end of my freshman year, because I enjoyed the experience, obviously. I decided that I wanted to join the National Guard. Mm-hmm. So I went and did all the paperwork you would do with the National Guard recruiter that is that was at VMI. Um and I actually ended up getting a three-year scholarship through the National Guard, which was perfect because Mary Baldwin was super expensive yeah. and probably still is super expensive. Um, so I got a three-year scholarship through through Army RTC for the Guard. Joined the Guard, Virginia Guard, and I drilled there until I actually commissioned. So in Virginia,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one of our, one of my sister knows did a similar. Um, route with uh, getting the National Guard scholarship, yeah. Erica Goodwin, so yeah. yeah, so she went that same route. Yeah, and it, Yeah, it's a great route. Um, how did attending both an all-women's college and being an all-women's uh, um, Corps of Cadets kind of shape both your academic and your personal experiences yeah. during your time? No, Absolutely.
1: So I I will say one of the things that I completely enjoyed going to an all women's college, and I don't know if this is a common thing that other women would say, but I can see how getting, I'm going to get to my point, but I can see how going to an all women's college could probably make you a little intimidated when you go back and you're working around now, more diverse Mm -hmm. type of, uh, you know, um, population. Well, I will say for me, um, What Mary Baldwin did for me professionally and personally is made me a very confident, very sure woman. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just knew when I left Mary Baldwin, I left the Corps of Cadets, I knew who I was. And I honestly can say that it is actually my opinion. It's more challenging and it's definitely more difficult at times. To lead women than it is to lead men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel that you know if you can go to Mary Baldwin, you can be a part of an all women's corps of cadets, and you can thrive in that type of environment. You can take on anything else in this world and do the same. Because um, Mary Baldwin in the corps of cadets has definitely has made me who I am today, and the skills that I learned um, being in the corps. It's just, it's just amazing, Com- completely, completely amazing. Like when I went and to my unit for the first time as a lieutenant, the one question I got asked, and I actually still get asked today is, were you ever prior service? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, never prior service. They're like, you you're just a different type of leader. We're not used to a type of, you know, leader um, like yourself, that is someone that came from straight from college, straight from ROTC, Mm -hmm. and you have no type of military experience behind you. And I just want, and I can just say that that's just a testament of being a part of a Corps of Cadets, um, because you live it every day and you learn the structure um, of what it is to, you know, be a follower, be a leader, and to um, just know how to thrive in the environment that you are in and know how to be on, you know, on a routine, learn how to, you know, have organization, learn how to manage your time, and then most importantly, learn how to listen to folks who have more experience than you mm-hmm. so that you can gain that knowledge
0: and experience as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you eventually, in will became first captain. I did, yeah. So what yeah. were some of the challenges that you had as first captain leadership-wise? Yeah. Um, especially, like you said, it is challenging. I don't think people realize leading an entire group of women, especially like our Corps of cadets. Right. Where um, you know, not everyone is going into the military. So you have to kind of embrace like, how do you motivate? Right. Um, right. How do you just motivate people and get them to follow you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's definitely is a challenge, you know, you have every day. Um, but I will say one of the things that I kind of I'm gonna kind of respond differently to your question okay. and t- kind of tell you with what you said of how I got through that challenge. Okay. So the one thing that I did is I knew that it was very important for me as the first captain to go and get to meet everyone within the Corps. Yes, we're a small Corps. Yes, you know, we grew up all together and all the way through leadership and you mm-hmm. get to know people. um, But I didn't personally know everyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Whenever I would just regular day walking around the campus and I would see folks that I know that were either freshmen in the core, or sophomore, aren't or up. I mean, excluding my sister Knowles, I live with them every day. I need to sit and talk with them every day. <laughs> uh-huh. But I would sit and talk with them at lunch. I would sit and talk with them at breakfast. I would check in to see, you know, how, how are things going? Mm-hmm. Um, how am I doing as a first captain? How are my sister Knowles doing as your leadership? What are some things that we can do differently um, just to try to get their thoughts and try to incorporate that into, you know, if we would change things to change it. But most importantly, I could take that um, to like General Bissell and mm-hmm. sit and have a conversation with him to truly give him the background of how the core is doing and where I think we need to change things. So I, mm-hmm. it works, you know, more effectively and more efficiently as a Corps. Um And then I would, you know, the one thing too, with folks who didn't want uh, to necessarily join the military. It is a constant reminding them, Hey, you're in this type of, you know, Corps of cadets. Um, But the other thing too is having that humility to know that they're not. So maybe we don't need to take things as seriously as we do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Let's incorporate having no more time to enjoy ourselves Um, instead of being so stuck on being so militarily focused on, Mm -hmm. on everything. Um, But to that point too, our class president that we had at the time to, her, like, we're best friends to this day, Brittany Walker, but we had a very, very tight relationship, and that's the one thing that I would ask her to, I asked her a lot to help me with, was taking the military side out and looking, you know, as a class president who focuses more on the organization, the social aspect of things, um, how can we make sure that we're being inclusive across the board with everyone within the Corps, so, I mean, I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, of course, not everyone's perfect, um, but that's essentially how I got through those barriers and those challenges mm-hmm. of being the first captain. Um, but just from the past experience of the of the past first captains that we had before I became the first captain is people knew who she was because she stood up in, in front of the formation, but people didn't really know who she was. Yeah. Um, so that's what I tried to do differently, even though a lot of folks you've met said I was very stern. I didn't smile <laughs> a lot, um, but I was actually a very personal person. Um, I just tried to balance the boat. Mm-hmm. I knew when to put the hat on and be first captain, but knew when to take it off and just to be a person, show humility.
0: I think what you just kind of went over of having that personal connection with, you know, other cadets in the Corps transcends leadership in general. And I yeah. think that's a a lesson that a lot of people don't maybe necessarily understand is how important mm-hmm. it is when you're in a leadership position to get to know the different people in your organization and let them see that like you're a human right. and that you genuinely care and you want to know what's going on in the organization. I think that's probably the biggest downfall of leaders that I've seen. Absolutely. Um, is just not having um, the ability to connect with, like, their subordinates and the people working for their organization. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So,
1: agreed. I mean, agreed. that's very cool. I'm
0: yeah. I i I'm like, man, I wish I had started college a year earlier. <laughs> <laughs> see. So after you graduated college, what did you pursue career-wise? Yeah. What did your path look like yeah. after college? So
1: my path was very interesting. So I commissioned into the National Guard um, in 2009. Um, And then directly after that, I actually moved back home to Georgia. So I went from the Virginia Guard to the Georgia Guard. Um, And I started off as a platoon leader in what is called a brigade support battalion is mm-hmm. where I started in the Georgia Guard. And when I got there, I kind of um tried to figure out, OK, where my civilian career was going to go. I mm-hmm. had no clue like yeah. most folks. <laughs> Um, Trying to figure out where, you know, where their job was going to land. So I worked Mm -hmm. a few, like, odd-end jobs here and there um, until I became on full-time orders with the Georgia Guard Mm -hmm. for quite a while. Um, And I worked on our on our battalion staff um, helping our S-4 with a lot of logistical-type things. I'm a logistics officer. Um, So I did that for a good while, um, all the way up until my first deployment Mm -hmm. um, to Afghanistan in 2013-2014. Um, And then after that deployment, I came back and finally decided that I wanted to get my master's. So um, from there, what I did is I I did take company command when I came back from the deployment. But after that, probably like a couple months later, um, more so leading to 2015, I would say, when we came back, I moved to Ohio Mm
0: -hmm. and decided
1: that. Wearing the shirt yeah. now, I decided to go to the Ohio State University to get my master's. So I got my master's in social work. Um, and I worked as a social worker for about five years. Um, I worked in the geriatric population and nursing homes. Um, it was a rewarding, very challenging experience. Yeah. Um, needless to say, but I completely loved it. But that was not my passion. I mm-hmm. thought it was, but it wasn't. What actually um, became my passion is I really love being logistics officer Mm -hmm. Um, and I love doing that full time. So I went back to doing that full time in the Ohio guard once I officially transferred into the Ohio guard back in August of 2016. Um, And so I deployed with them overseas with a sustainment brigade. I went to Kuwait in 2017, 2018, came back and then got on orders again and just did logistics planning um, with, with the brigade staff. And then eventually I... Got my full time job. I call it my grown up job, my forever job. Um, I started working full time for our state headquarters in the Ohio Guard as a as a logistics officer, um, handling maintenance um, type issues and managing all the facilities in our state. Um, so that's kind of where my path led um, after after Mary
0: Baldwin, and I'm here today. That's amazing. Yeah. One of the things we were kind of talking about, which I think is cool, yeah, and maybe not a lot of people realize cuz i know a lot of our graduates end up going active duty mm-hmm. is that there are a lot of opportunities through Absolutely. the national guard and in the us uh, army reserves um to where like you said when you were at the very beginning of your career sometimes like there are opportunities for you to jump on orders and right. do things full time especially like if the civilian route is you know, you're trying to get a job, but it's not quite following through. Or right. if you just want to like pivot and do something else, there yeah. are those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's very cool. And I, so you've fully converted to uh, being an Ohioan. I, I feel like you've been. We were watching uh, Ohio State clips yesterday. Yes. <laughs> I completely have. I am a Buckeyes
1: fan all the way. Ohio! <laughs> so you see yourself staying in Ohio? You like that area? I do. I do, I do love it. I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, it is a phenomenal city to live in. The one one of the things I love the most about uh, Columbus, Ohio, specifically, is that the diversity there mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, I love it entirely, and just the it's a it's a somewhat semi small city Mm -hmm. but man it's just it makes you just feel like so like welcomed there and businesses thrive there of course um ohio state makes up the downtown Mm -hmm. area entirely especially Mm -hmm. with their their medical um hospital they have there but it's it's just an amazing place to be and such great food like (laughs) oh my god it's amazing Mm -hmm um, cuisines that you can eat there from just different types of cuisines is just amazing. Like I found out, um, when probably probably not too long after I left that we actually had, um, what I'm trying to, what am I trying to say? an Af- an, a, an Afghan um, restaurant there. And yeah. I was like, how did I not know this after living here for eight years? <laughs> I, and I have not gone to this restaurant. Um, but if you think of a country, Columbus probably has a restaurant that's there. Yeah.
0: That's always a sign of like a good place to live if you can get like any type of cuisine. Mm-hmm. And it's a good sign of diversity. That's yeah. that's like the main reason I came back from Colorado it, to be in the D.C. area. Like I could have chosen to live a little closer to my family. Right. But I wanted to be somewhere that was diverse. Mm-hmm. So I totally I totally get that. <laughs> um so you went to Ohio State, which is a very large yes. public university. Yep. How did that compare um, going to like Mary Baldwin?
1: It was so, uh, was it intimidating at first? Absolutely. Um, so I drove to the campus, I don't know how many times, to figure <laughs> out where I need to park, yeah. to walk my path of where I needed to go to school. To, and I even walked into the building to see where my classroom my classroom was for all my classes, so I knew exactly where to go because it's such a huge campus. Um, and then the other thing to add is the transit system that they have there mm-hmm. because they have buses that take you where you need to go based off where you park. Okay. So a lot of logistics for a big university, but the plus side of going to grad school there is that the class class size was was so small. Yeah, that's good. Um, so that was a plus, but it was definitely very intimidating at first. But now mm-hmm. when I go back there, it's like a small university to me because mm-hmm. – you're just familiar with the area mm-hmm. but yeah, it was very intimidating at
0: first did you get to go to football games oh i sure did I had <laughs> season tickets and, oh <laughs> nice yeah oh yeah <laughs> i have not actually been to like a big college football game it's on my list notre dame's pretty high on my yeah. list i oh, yeah. grew up liking notre dame i probably because it's the fighting irish and yeah. i have red hair so yeah a big college football yeah. game is on my bucket list for sure it's, it is a great time like
1: Folks talk about how fun um, NFL football games are, which which mm-hmm. they are, don't get me wrong, especially the tailgating, but mm-hmm. tailgating at a college game is, it's a it's amazing. Um, just an amazing experience because schools go all out. Like, yeah. they go all out, and just the, the atmosphere of going into the stadium and seeing the kids play is just amazing to see the talent on the field that you know that some of them are going to go into the NFL and you'll be able to see them play in the NFL, but... It's it's just a good time.
0: That is very cool. I do think Ohio State had someone with the last name Barrett
1: yeah. not too long ago. JT so. Barrett. JT, yeah. Yep, JT. Yep, yep. I was
0: like, oh, JT Barrett. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So now we're gonna get to the part of like, how did we end up connecting? Yeah. Um yeah. and yeah, yeah. part of the answer is um someone who's napping right now. <laughs> uh, her name is Amanda Harrison, who was in the pilot. Um, how did you meet Amanda?
1: Absolutely, yeah, for sure.
0: So Amanda and I are both
1: actually at Fort Leavenworth right now. We are at um, ILE CGSC to finish, you know, our next professional military education. Um, so how we met? We <laughs> had a sustainers like LPD, mm-hmm. so I decided to go to it. And we met through a mutual friend, and um, and he told me like, hey, um, I'm going to introduce you to my friend Amanda. She's pretty cool. She's pretty dope. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Look, look forward to that. And so he told me her name. So I actually went on Facebook mm. and I was looking through our CGSC class 2024 um, page we had, and I was just looking at folks' names to see. Do I know a name here? Maybe, probably not, but worth the look. So I go to look, and I'm strolling down, and I come to Amanda Harrison, and I see we have mutual friends. And I was like, is the Amanda that he is going to introduce me to? So I click on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, then I see she has a lot of friends and folks that went to Mary Baldwin, <laughs> and I start clicking more, and I see who her colleague is. I was mm-hmm. like, her colleague is Thurston. I was like, world i said but yeah. maybe maybe it's a different amanda it could be somebody else mm-hmm. and maybe she's not a part of our facebook page yet or something mm-hmm. so get to the sustainment um lpd and i get there i walk in and i see um erica goggin yeah so i see her walk in and i'm like okay that's erica i'll go speak to her in a minute well then i see she's sitting at a table with a whole bunch of other folks that clearly they clearly they all know each other mm-hmm. Um, and then I see who I think Amanda is and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go talk to her too and say, Hey, be well too. Well, then I see her and her and Erica, like really know each other. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go check it out. So I walk over and I just step in front of Erica and she's like staring at me, like really confused. And she goes, no way. Is this who I think it is? And I'm like, I don't know. Who do you think it is? She was like, (laughs) First Captain Jackson, Janair Jackson. I was like, that's me. Yeah. So she gets up and gives me the biggest hug. And then Erica goes, Amanda, do you know who this is? She was in your notebook. And I was, yeah. And she goes, no. And she's, I don't wait. Is that, that's first Captain Jackson. I'm like, hey. and so I was like, so we just started from there, um, started talking and we just connected like so, so, so well. Um, I have to agree and say Amanda is a very dope person, even though she's <laughs> challenging at times. Um, but we have just in the short amount of time, we've gotten to know each other while there. We have definitely developed a very amazing friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so glad that that I have met her. And that's what brought us here. Yeah. Uh, Cause as we got to know each other, she asked their group who's all running the army 10 miler. And I was like, and so from then, we're like, all right, we're going to plan to go together. And so it's just been it's been cool since then. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember uh, your name is the very first because like the in the null book, which is a book that like freshmen in the Corps of Cadets and V will have to, you know, study and we get quizzed on. Because of when you graduated, you were, like, at the very top of the list. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it was always, like, and I feel like um, the class of 2012 liked you a lot because (laughs) they would always ask, like, that question. So I feel like I always had to answer First Captain Jackson a lot. That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) So to me, like, yeah, I was, like, yeah, I remember from the notebook. <laughs> so it, it's really cool to actually like put the name to the face. But then when I saw your face, I was like, "She's in the brochures. She's in the brochures." And like, um, I understand why because like Sarah McFarland said this when we ran into Sarah at the ten miler. Like, you look very sharp and like well put together in yeah. the uniforms. So there, yeah, it makes That's, sense. Wow. Put her on the brochure. She like, wow, yeah. I Showing off. I actually didn't know I was on
1: the brochures. To be honest with yeah. you, I had no clue. So this yeah. is the first for me. When Sarah said it earlier, I was like,
0: "Oh, they put me on the brochures. Yeah. You're, you're on the brochures. <laughs> Unless they've changed them or updated them since I've been there, you are on the brochures. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're famous. So remember when you looked at the brochure or that pamphlet mm-hmm. and said, "What's this?" Now. When other people are yeah. getting recruited, they're seeing your face. Oh wow. And saying, What's wow. What's this? Hmm. Yeah. It's like That's a cool. circle. It's, it moment. is a full cool circle. That's very yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So we're gonna move on mm-hmm. from college, from V Will. We're gonna jump into some other topics. Oh, just kidding. We're actually gonna go back. Um, it is a little college related. Okay. So if you could go back in time and give your college self some advice, what would it be? Oh,
1: man, this is actually a challenging question for me because I completely enjoyed mm-hmm. um, my college experience. But I guess just kind of thinking of one thing, I definitely wish I would have enjoyed like I really enjoyed my junior year and my senior year but I really wish I would have allowed myself to really enjoy freshman and sophomore year mm-hmm. um more and more of like hanging out with my sister old more um because de- I definitely bonded with them where I could but not with all of them mm-hmm. because I decided it was the most great idea I guess you can say I thought it was a great idea and I to this day I don't know why um They allowed me to do this. (laughs) I took so many credits my freshman year and my sophomore year. It was like 20-something credits credit credit hours a semester. So I lived and breathed and walked school. That's Mm -hmm. what I did. I would start class at 8 o'clock in the morning with little breaks here and there. I lived in the library every Saturday, almost all day Saturday until like dinner time. I was doing schoolwork. Um and just burning the midnight oil a lot. And the times that I would sleep was actually during the day between the breaks between classes. Oh, wow! Um, so I stayed pretty, pretty busy and I, I did not go out and socialize a lot um, like I should have. Um, so if I would say, you know, just going back in time to myself, I would tell myself, don't do that. Take the mm-hmm. time to, really embrace and enjoy the people around you mm-hmm. and get to know everyone around you and that became actually one of my focal points that I did do my junior in my senior year I mean because the plus side of that I didn't have I had to find classes to take yeah. especially my senior I had to find stuff to do just to throw on the schedule so I could still be a full-time student
0: mm-hmm.
1: I actually took racquetball Ooh, fun <laughs> I don't know how to play it oh uh- <laughs> Well, I don't remember how to play, but I took it in racquetball. I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun. This is a great workout. Um, But yeah, if I would go back, I would tell myself that, you know, just slow down, Janair. You don't need to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, to take on so much. Um, Just enjoy, you know, the
0: moment around you and be present. So I think that kind of segues into like another um, point of where we were talking earlier about um work life balance. Spe- absolutely. You were specifically mentioning it for the guard, but in general, do you think that experience has kind of shaped and informed your uh efforts around trying to have a better work life balance as an adult?
1: No, absolutely it it definitely has cuz I I think it's important to have to have that balance. I know there's folks out there that may disagree with me on that, but especially, you know, even if you have a family or if you, if you don't have a, a family, it's very important to take time for yourself um, and just to be present in the moment um, because not doing that can really, 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 really affect you in the end. Um, so one of the things that I kind of live by, CJSC is is a disclaimer to this point because you can't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, got, you have a lot of schoolwork to do. Um, But what I try to do every time when I leave work is I, when I leave physically leave work, work stays at work. I don't like to take it home. I like to make that be my time to just completely be present in the moment and do things that I enjoy doing when I leave the building for the day. Um, It's very important to do because it allows you to have that balance. It allows you to have a more quality of life. Um, Instead of always just working, 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 working. It's very important to do that, especially for your mental health. It's important. So,
0: yeah, I think our generation has learned that more so. Yes. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of our parents and grandparents would just like work themselves into the ground, whereas we're starting to really change our mindset and really value that work life balance. Absolutely.
1: It's 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 so important. Mm -hmm. It is. There is a world out there that people are just completely, well, not more today, folks are not, but it's, it's important just to enjoy where you are, Mm -hmm. um, go travel, go do Mm -hmm. things, experience things. Um, I'm also a big believer that, um, I work to live. I don't live to work. Mm -hmm. Um, that's very important to do, um, because your quality of life is is so important. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well. Um we chatted about going to an all-women's college so I'm curious uh if you had the chance to sit down and have dinner with three women who are either from history historical figures or maybe like fictional characters mm-hmm. or even like present day like yeah. real people who would you want to sit down with and Abs- chat with Absolutely. So I had to think of, I had to really <laughs> think
1: on 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 this one. Um but what very interesting historical fact that I recently was made aware of this past summer, actually. So there is a unit back, this is back during World War II, um, when women were starting to become into the military. Mm-hmm. And so the unit was called 6888. They were a postal battalion. Um, a lot of folks don't know about them, but they were an all-black women's unit and they actually were tasked with going, um, to over to, Mm -hmm. um, to Germany is where they kind of, kind of went, well, more so over to Britain, I guess you can say, but they were in charge of basically coming up with a better system to Mm -hmm. distro out mail out to our troops during World War II. Um, and that's a little tidbit of history. A lot of folks actually don't know about because they actually don't get a lot of credit for it. But that's not the main Mm -hmm. significant event um, of what brought me to wanting to sit down with four women, actually. So I'm in the middle of reading a book, and I tried so hard to remember this book, but it is about these four women. Mm -hmm. So simultaneous to the 6888 being overseas, doing what they were doing, there was another event happening back here in the United States. So a lot of women during this time, during like 1942, 1945, Um, didn't really have a lot of the equal rights in the military, especially black women in the military. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they were recruited into the military, they were recruited in saying that they would be able to do medical type jobs. And a lot of them went to school for those particular type of professions. Um, But when they joined the military, essentially what they ended up doing is still doing a lot of the jobs that they did before they joined. So janitorial things, cooking, cleaning, scrubbing floors, doing orderly room type duties, and none of them were doing the promised medical and technical jobs that they were told that they would do if they were to join the military. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them, this is back in March of 1945, I want to say, um, so a lot of them went on strike, um, went started protesting about it, um, trying to get things to change, um, eventually Um, Unfortunately, what happened is they were coerced to stop doing that because they were told that they would be court-martialed and discharged Mm -hmm. from the military. So most of the women stopped protesting and went back to work except for these four women. So I wrote down their names and I didn't want to forget either of them. So they were Privates Mary Green, Anna Morrison, Johnny Murphy, and Alice Young. So what they did is they did not return back to work. They continued to protest to fight for Equality. um, And they did get court martialed, and they were told that they were going to get the maximum punishment for what they were doing. But what ended up happening is because this became such a huge uh, publicity across the United States Mm -hmm. that a lot of folks rallied behind them and basically told the military. You are not going to kick them out of the military. You are not going to issue them the maximum punishment because what you're doing is not right and it's wrong. Um, so what ended up happening, so the um, the um, NAACP got involved in it to help with the the whole court martial. So it eventually got overturned. Mm-hmm. They did not get punished. They returned back to work um a lot unfortunately did not change mm-hmm. but they stood their ground yeah. entirely through the entire process went through their court martial with so much poise and so much honor and so if i could go back and sit and talk to all four of these women and have dinner with them i would just want to talk to them and just get to know and understand like what was that like mm-hmm. um how what made you want to keep standing your ground and not wanting to back down when you easily could have, um,
0: just to hear their story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they made a huge impact. They, they, they sure they did. Literally changed the trajectory. Yep, by they sure did. Being brave enough and having that courage to like continue to yeah, protest. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. That, that's an awesome story. Yep, yep, yep. I have actually heard of the six triple eight. Yeah. So I was. A special education teacher for three years. And um, last year, I had a reading intervention class. And there's this um, website called News ELA. Okay. And there's different little articles. And, like, you can change, like, um, the Lexile level for um, different reading levels. Okay. Um, And so I found one about the 6888. And so we read that one and in that's my incredible. Class. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. There was a huge backlog and they, yeah, they created their system and they cleared that backlog sure did. for mail, yep. which is really, sure cool. Did. It, yeah. yep. It's yep. really cool. Yep. That's really cool. Um, All right. Okay. So um, I was hoping, cause I know everyone said, well, At least Sarah said you were a little more serious in the core. So what might be like a fun, quirky fact about you that no one knows or maybe not many people know? Yeah.
1: So what I will say, so one of the things that's very near and dear to me. um, So back in college, I actually was not very I was I was not in very good shape. Um, that was definitely a challenge for me. So ever since then, I've made it my goal to try just to change my lifestyle. Excuse mm-hmm. me. <clears throat> Get some water.
0: Yeah, that's what it's here for. Mm-hmm.
1: So I wanted to make a lifestyle change mm-hmm. um, and to figure out how how can I make doing fitness fun? Yeah. Now, granted, I know we ran. That may not be the funnest thing, but there are other things that you can <laughs> do to enjoy fitness. So I really love indoor cycling. Like it is a passion of mine. Um, I have aspirations of wanting to become a spin instructor. So that's something I'm telling myself after I retire, if I'm still in good shape, God is willing to let Mm -hmm. me still thrive in that way. I'm going to become a spin instructor and that's going to be my income after I retire. That's what I tell myself now. But so um, I'm a part of a studio back home. Mm -hmm. It is called Melt House of Fitness. And they do a lot of indoor spinning and some folks may have seen it before, but it's more choreographed Mm -hmm. and you're not just spinning on the bike, standing Mm -hmm. up, sitting down, standing up. You're actually like, it's almost like dancing on the bike. And it's the funnest thing that you could ever, ever do. Um, but the fun concept of it is almost like hot yoga. So you're spinning in a room Mm -hmm. that's 80 degrees, um, for like 45 minutes up to an hour. Um, so that, that is like, has been one of the funnest things I've discovered to ever do. Um, and I just love it, love it so much. Mm-hmm. I miss it entirely now that I'm at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, because they have a studio mm-hmm. that's very similar in Kansas City, but it's like an hour drive. Uh, and So I'm telling myself that probably on a Saturday next year, when school is not so strenuous, I'll take mm-hmm. a drive down and see if it's gives me the little oomph that... Uh, melt house of fitness does back home in ohio so
0: i have done those exact same type of spin classes um when i was stationed in alaska Uh, there's i think it's called anchorage cycle um but yeah the the winters there are very not yes they're cold but it's like the darkness really sets in and honestly, those spin classes were the only thing that could like kind of pull me out of the funk, especially in the winter. Cause they yeah. are a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not like someone that says is is a dancer, but I liked like the rhythm rides. Yes. Um, Agreed. And like the movements and stuff like that. Cause I feel like it ultimately is a good distraction mm-hmm. from, you know, the cardio <laughs> yeah. that you're doing. Because you're burning a lot of calories. You it's are. hot. But it's a lot of fun, and I would love, like, the different playlists that the instructors would have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I'd be like – and they would post them on, like, Spotify and stuff like that, and I'd be like, I want that song, that That song, that song. So that's exactly –
1: so what I do – so now when I do go into the gym – because the gym back at Leavenworth, they do have, uh, like, spin classes, Mm -hmm. but they're just not the same, unfortunately. But when no one is teaching class, I will go to the gym and I will go in there because they do have the same spin bikes that the mm-hmm. studio back home has. And to your point, I I have taken a lot of the instructor's class mm-hmm. or song lists and just download it for myself. And I will go and just spit on the bike myself. But yeah, but it's cool. it's so
0: much fun. Yeah. I went to, I used to go to one in Colorado Springs too Yeah, called Psychology Studios, but spelled like cycle. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. And they actually like every now and then would do like an instructor's course. So like anyone who was interested, like I think it was either once or twice a year. Yeah. They would do like a two, three day um, period where they would, yeah, just give people kind of a crash course on how to be an instructor, which I think was really cool.
1: I know the studio back home does the same. I just, yeah, yeah, finding the time. Yeah. But I'm just like, you know, that's a retirement.
0: Yeah. It does egg. sound like a really great retirement. Gig. Yeah, I'm telling you. Know, you. Very flexible <laughs> schedule. Yeah. You know, listening to music, motivating other people. You still get to use your leadership skills. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm manifesting it for you. <laughs> uh, I Like, I'll come to a class, too, because, like I said, I love those classes. Mm-hmm. They're just a little expensive. They that's are. The only, no, that's, that's, that's the only downfall. True. That is very true. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, so this is a podcast, and um, we're not. Um, this question isn't just about podcasts, but do you have any favorite books, movies, and/or podcasts that you've watched or are listening to? Yeah, so
1: I actually have a recent book that I read before going mm-hmm. to to Leavenworth. So I like to read a lot of self help books, oh. um, just because I always like to do a lot of reflecting to see, mm-hmm. you know, how can I improve as a leader, but also. M- um, how can I, excuse me, how can I improve personally as, mm-hmm. as as well? So I read a book. It was called A Traveler's Gift by um, Andy Andrews. Um, and so the book basically talks about these seven principles that a person should try to incorporate in their day-to-day life. So essentially the main character, I think his name was, last name was Johns. He was going through, he and his wife are going through a very hard time. Mm-hmm. He had just lost his job. She was a stay-at-home mom, and they were trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And one of their daughters did a very, I can't remember the sport off the top of my head, but she did a very expensive type of sport. So they were trying to figure out how they're going to just figure out life, Mm -hmm. you know, now. And so he just kind of was not um, dealing with everything very well. And he had been working for this company that he had been working with for a very long time. And essentially, they laid people off. Um, and he just didn't know what he was going to do. And so he kind of just fell off the deep end, um, unfortunately, and, um, got into a very bad car accident and it kind of, um, put him in a coma. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he, so the author in the book takes you through what John's experienced during his time as a coma and he described each principle and through each principle, he went back and saw historical figures back in time that helped shaped his life. So mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln, he went back during the Civil War specifically, talked to Robert E. Lee, mm-hmm. you know, the battle for Gettysburg, like all of this stuff. They talked mm-hmm. to key key. He talked to key figures um, that kind of helped shape these principles, which I thought was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look down and kind of read them because okay. I don't want to forget them. <laughs> so the first one was take responsibility, mm-hmm. seek wisdom, take action, make decisions, choose to be happy, forgive, and then last, persist without exception. So I consider also, I try to live by these every day Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, not to go into detail about each of them. I'll just encourage people to read the book because I will not do them justice. Um, But how I look at these seven principles, I think it is very important for all of us to most importantly, we all go through very challenging, hard things in our lives. And it is very easy for us to choose to look at it negatively mm-hmm. when you can look at it as an opportunity for you to grow as an individual. And sometimes you will never get the answer to why things happen the way they do in your life. But what's important is that you can always choose to be happy, choose to be happy mm-hmm. um, and You can take responsibility sometimes for all of the challenges that are happening in your life and as an opportunity for you just to persevere and kind of just get through what's happening Mm -hmm. because all things are temporary. They're always temporary, but it's always about how we respond that makes them impact our lives, either negatively or positively. So this book is a very powerful Mm -hmm. book um, and it can definitely give you perspectives of how to look at things differently differently. Um, and just not to take things for granted all the time. So
0: That's very cool. It kind of reminds me of this quote. Well, I was listening to um, On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was interviewing Becky G. She's a musician. Um, And one of the things she was talking about was, like, mindset. And um, she was talking about... uh, how you have to change your mindset from things are happening to me to things are happening for me. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and that's like a huge difference. Because yes, these things could be happening that are negative, but ultimately, having, you know, that foresight and that understanding that ultimately, at the end of the day, they're happening for you, and they're making you stronger absolutely and and better yep like once you get through them yep yep that that is that is
1: so true Mm -hmm. and i when you kind of take on that mindset it also gives you the reassurance and the confidence that you can get through what is currently happening um in your life yeah i'm excited i'm gonna
0: read that book it's an amazing book it's amazing all right well We are right around an hour, which is perfect. This is like, wow, this is the best timing I've ever had without actually (laughs) looking at the clock. So my last question uh, for you is, do you have anything or anyone you want to plug or give a shout out? I know some people might have like if they feel comfortable, they can share like social media stuff. But sometimes just the opportunity to shout out, give some shout outs to anyone. Yeah. So So.
1: I would say like the one person that I definitely want to give a shout out to um, is my dad. So I am a daddy's girl, (laughs) but I can definitely say that the older that I have become, Mm -hmm. the closer that the relationship between me and my father um, has become. Um, we don't talk very often on the phone, but I will definitely say we talk more mm-hmm. um, than we did in the past, which is amazing. Um, my dad is an incredible man and um, he loves his girls in and in, in out, like oh. he loves us to death. But you talk about a man who is so humble and so accepting, so loving and so caring. Um, and just the way that he lives his life every day is so amazing. It's like, as if nothing ever gets in his way to challenge him. Um, And he has just, I'm just so blessed and so grateful to have a man like that in my life. He's an incredible
0: human being. That's awesome. Shout out to Mr. Jackson. (laughs) All right. Uh, Anyone else you want to plug?
1: Oh, yeah. So I I have a few people, but I'll say one that I definitely would, well, I'll plug the few that I want (laughs) to plug. So, um, I have two of my sister Knowles who have been my everything as well. If there's two people Mm -hmm. that know me through thick and thin, um, it's Brittany Walker and Stephanie Valise. They actually were, I said sister Knowles, they were in the Mm -hmm. core. Um, we can literally go months without talking and get on the phone and Mm -hmm. just pick up where we all left off. Um and I'm so fortunate, so blessed to have them. Um they have helped me through a lot of rough things that have happened throughout mm-hmm. my life and I just love and appreciate them. Like I love them so much. They are, they are truly an amazing women. The last person I would definitely sh- uh shout out as well. Her name is uh Stephanie Lafrada.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh we met in the Ohio Guard. Kind of we've been friends now for about 2-3 years, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, she's another logistics officer and just the most amazing professional that you could ever meet. But we develop a very close personal relationship, um, and having someone like that, that you can have a personal relationship and professional relationship Mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, when I was a battalion XO, she was a battalion SPO for a brigade support battalion. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, typically people are used to those two people, you know, either they have a good working relationship or they don't. And there's you know, that beef between the SPO and the staff, that was not that case um, with us at all. We had, it was our, our professional relationship that grew our personal um, relationship. And it was amazing. It's so amazing today to have a friendship like that, Mm -hmm. to come out,
0: come out of that. So yeah, she's, she's awesome. That's very cool. Well, We are at about that time. Uh, It's flown by. This has been a great conversation. I've gotten to know more about you as well, which has been very cool. So thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, And I know at least me and you will be running the Army 10 miler. Harrison um, potentially could be retiring. Stand by to see um, if she officially announces that or not, um, <laughs> listeners, uh, I'll be sure to put it on the Instagram if she does make her retirement official. If she does not, then she will be back next year as well. <laughs> the Army 10-Miler.
1: <laughs> All right. That's well, funny.
0: Thanks again. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having All me. Right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for listening to the All Girls School Podcast. But before class is over, please take a moment to subscribe or leave a review on Apple or Spotify Podcast. If you enjoy video content, head over to our YouTube channel at All Girls School Podcast, where you can watch and listen to each episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Girls School Podcast, and you can email us questions, stories, and more at Podcast at gmail.com. That's it for today. Class is dismissed.